Welcome back to the Global Energy Podcast. I am Jason Serafian with Streamflow, and we are tucked into the cozy Seidel Tech World Headquarters. I am here with... Frank Seidel. Boom. There you go. Welcome to episode four. How's it going, man? Good. <laughs> it's been a minute. We uh, we have been quite busy uh, personally and work-wise over the last few months here. Oh, where'd your trophy go? I was going to read script from that. Frank has a, uh, a little something he'd like to share with the class. He was awarded. Uh, it was the the inaugural entrepreneur of the year by the Arrowhead Center of New Mexico State. Boom. Yeah, I would insert uh, like clapping and stuff here, but I don't know how to do that yet. It was a wonderful honor, and, and uh, can't wait to work with the students and uh, try to make more things happen. And. What are the parameters? Just uh, anybody that's kind of gone to this school and had their own uh, time at the university and then started their own businesses? or I, No, I think uh, the parameters were that you have to be active in the school, mm-hmm. which I am, and then you have to, uh, uh, you know, so internally you're active. I was, I'm active with the, with the Arrowhead Center, with the uh, School of Engineering, College of Engineering. Uh, with the chemical engineering department and uh, the, the athletic department, and then uh, don't you also have like a brewery over there or something? Yeah, we have a pilot <laughs> brewery in the chemistry department, and then you have to uh, you know accomplish some things in industry. So very yeah, cool. We've, we've, been, we've been at this for ten years now, Sidel Technologies, and we have about forty people and working around the globe. And around the globe, around the clock. Having lots of fun. Yeah. Well, congratulations from all of us sitting across the table from you uh, and being the inaugural one. Uh, do you get to have any influence on who gets selected next year, or does it work like that? Or no, you I unite just, somebody? I just or? have to put sweat equity into the Arrowhead Center, and it's a fantastic place. They've had hundreds of tens of millions, probably hundreds of millions of dollars roll through, roll through there with um, uh, incubators. Uh, where the students actually come up with ideas for starting business, and then they're helped by uh, people in industry, advisors, uh, to get their ideas off the ground. And some of that's them, awesome. Yeah, yeah. And I know you're already, you know, healthily involved with the university and the state, so they're all they're all pretty lucky to have you over there. So that's awesome. And congrats. And it's fresh. And if you guys can see the trophy, it's pretty cool too. It's uh, this 3D cut-in kind of dealio. It's uh, pretty sweet. But. Uh, this week, I think we're going to tuck into some things that have been going on over the last couple of months since we have been on, uh, we'll call it a, a little hiatus, if you will, a little summer oh, break. wait a minute. There was some other news. What happened? What happened to you? Oh, yeah, I got engaged uh, a few weeks ago, so uh, there's there's that. I, heard, I hear all the hearts breaking. Oh, all over the world. Yeah, that's what's happening. Um, so, yeah, we, we've been busy. So, 2020. <laughs> Needless right? to say, yeah, big years. Um, well, and yeah, and your daughter. <laughs> we'll stop making about this yeah, about us in a second. We got, we got also also getting married next year. We have lots of weddings coming up next year. But uh, back, back to the markets. Um, yeah, kind of, kind of a crazy time right now. There's been a slew of mergers and acquisitions, although we know there's really no mergers anymore, even though it might be that entitled. I mean, you look at some of the big ones that have happened this summer, and I know we lightly touched on it last time, but it's kind of an entree to the rest of this episode and maybe the next. But you start looking at... The Oxy, you know, the David and Goliath situation, buying in a Darko much larger than them. Um, and Canon Newfield was a big deal. Um, you've got some small, I mean, and then Parsley Jagged Peak. I mean, there have been so many. We could go on and on and on. 
a couple dozen of these guys this year alone. But it's not just from a corporate level. You also have asset uh, swaps, if you will, like when well, the Hill Corp came in and paid five and a half plus billion for BP's yeah, let's Alaska go that piece. Real quick, just to give, to give everybody the top a little perspective, yeah. In Q3 2019, this is just Q3. Uh, in August, it was Hill Corp, and you mentioned uh, buying BP Alaska. Yeah, huge asset. Uh, Five point six billion, is that correct? Yep. And then Kellen uh, uh, Petroleum buying Carrizo Oil and Gas for correct three point two billion. And that's all over the country. It's not just a single basin. PDC. Um, buying or SRC. stock deal with yep. SRC Energy, $1.7 billion, DJ Basin. Um, here, you can finish the rest of them. Oh, well, yeah, there, there are a couple of other, other good things in there, but um, I think some of the other ones that people might know. Um, what was that fourth one there? Ecopetrol, Epico- yeah. Ecopetrol. And, and uh, they picked up from Occidental in the Permian. Um, that was a $1.5 billion joint venture. Um, then there's some other ones that are a little misleading, like the Diamondback Viper Energy Partners, $700 million deal, but Viper Energy is actually kind of closely related to Diamondback, so not really like a strange deal. But, you know, you also have the Japanese coming in. I mean, when, well, back, this is probably one of the older deals on the books right now for this year, but Osaka Gas picking up Sabine, you know, and that was less than $700 million out in the Hainesville, but still that represents, you know, Japan's first big foray into this American shale play, you know, directly. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but there have been a number of things too. I mean, you also look at what's going on with the Rice Boys. You know, they sold this whole EQT thing that went down. Now they're <laughs> they made a ton of money on this, but now they're jumping back and wanting to. You know, they're doing the controlling piece. They're they're you know, playing games on the board, and so kind of sort of taking it back over again. So there's a lot of interesting things out there. The Baker Hughes GE thing that happened, where GE's mostly out, um, but it'll be interesting to see you know what happens with Baker now that they are kind of repivoting because. They haven't really done a lot as a company from an R&D perspective or anything probably in the last four or five years because once talks of the Halliburton deal were going through and simmering up, they kind of just paused and waited and dated Halliburton for a while and nothing went there. And then the GE thing came through and nothing went there. And so they've been kind of uh, strung out a little bit, but hopefully they can uh, get things all dialed in. But there have been a number of these deals, and I don't, I don't think that we're done yet either. I mean, just a few days ago, I think it was Barron's, kind of put out a little uh, um, their own opinion piece about Exxon and Chevron. Like, hey, if these guys go shopping, here's who we think they should look at. You know, and they're talking about how they think that um, Chevron should pick up Simrex, which just picked up Resolute, you know. So that's stacking assets there. And they also think that uh, Exxon should take a solid look at Pioneer and Diamondback. I mean, those are two of your big, big dogs down in Texas. So... You know, and Exxon's already running, what, a, a, uh, just a few weeks ago, was it, what, 83 rigs? So, I mean, they are definitely, from a U.S. shale perspective, one of the big dogs in the house. So it'll be interesting to see what we see, I think, up in Colorado, too, because of the uncertainties going on still with the uh, SB-181. You might see some of those guys come together, sort of like what PDC did with SRC because they were checkerboarded on assets, and that worked out really well for them. I would not be surprised to see... Crestone Peak get in bed with maybe an extraction or somebody because those guys are both very urban drillers and you know it's a it's a rough market right now so but I think what that's all leading to is you're seeing people consolidate assets because um, one of the issues over the last couple years has been um, you know investors pulling money out of the sector because they're not seeing the returns they want 
Um, and so they're really focusing on, you know, the mantra for 2020, I think, for the oil and gas space and other industries is going to be cash low, cash low, cash low, because you're starting to see this too with this whole um, Adam Newman and WeWork deal, you know, with, with, with uh, SoftBank. I mean, they were, you know, they're, they're going to fire 4,000 people and focus on cash flow. And everybody's focusing on cash flow. And you look at all of these. They call it's them, too bad it's come to this. Yeah, but I mean, it was inevitable, right? It's almost like, a, yeah. is it a dot-com bubble bursting type of thing on a mini scale? I mean, maybe because uh, so I many companies would focus on growth. Or, I think yeah, just, yeah. You know, talking to the lead economist of UBS that, that you know, there's going to, there's, there's always going to be some adjustments. And there, yeah, you met global, with him yesterday, yeah. That global economy is slowing. And, uh, um, you know, the people all along should have been uh, in the money-making business. That's what my, Correct. my past has taught me is that you don't have to be in the oil gas business. You don't have to be in the grocery store business. You just have to be in the money-making business. Yeah. And I think people maybe got scared and the competition was so fierce. They were like, let's just have the biggest footprint. And what good is the footprint if there's no money behind it? Right. So it's... Uh, you know, we'll have to see. They'll have to start. They are starting to control their costs across the board. Uh, these shale wells are incredibly expensive. But the the good news is that uh, the, the only threat to domestic uh, supplies of oil and gas are regulation. And uh, you know, as long as that we uh, help develop the re the regulations and and come up with solutions um, uh, to um, you know, make us all feel better about developing our resources, then I think we'll be fine. And uh, again, it all goes to controlling our costs and making sure that we're making economic wealth. Yeah, I mean, it's basic business, right? Like I said, regardless of what industry and sector you're in. Did your uh, your buddy at UBS give you any other insight what he sees in a global economic market for next year as far as trends? The trends are that uh, the tariffs uh, are taxed bottom line mm -hmm. and, and it's it's hurting uh, American industries like uh, the farmers uh, they may be getting subsidies from the from the government but it's not enough correct um, so uh, the other thing is that these these countries that are uh, under tariffs they just do workarounds so mm -hmm. uh, if uh, China's getting getting taxed well they'll go through Vietnam they'll go through Mexico correct um, Starting to see cell phones out of Mexico. Yeah, and uh, it was it was going inevitable. Uh, it was going to happen anyway because factories were being built and and uh, timing's everything. So uh, that uh, the uh, but you know that's that's a, that's a concern. It's a big concern for Europe. Germany is a big part maker. They have a lot of industry, and then if uh, and they'll be tariffs against their vehicles, I think starting soon as well if they haven't already right yeah so we need to get that straightened out we need to get the tariffs um you know uh, go ahead and, and i think we've gotten Ch china's attention we need to work towards getting some solid agreements and uh and then get back to work and then but realize that we are a global economy everything's attached do you think that the tariff piece is an election ploy or do you think it's Something that's really being hashed out in the back rooms. Yes. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but you know, the the bottom line is that we we have given President Trump that he's the first president in history that hasn't had to worry about energy. Right. And he understands that. Um, he's 
coming to the oil and gas basins and uh, promoting our growth, promoting employment, and uh, and rightfully so. Yeah, I mean we're an exporter now, right? So yes, we are. So it's it's important that that everybody understands that um, the people that that uh, I understand the people that that want. Um, uh, environmentally safe development of oil and gas, but there's no reason for a mon- for a moratorium. I mean, it's it's yeah. There's there's different ways to go about it, right? There's there's a number of problems that a full stop is not the solution. It's about figuring out how to come to a good balance um, and make it work for everybody. And unfortunately, you know, the, the sides are so divided right now. There's not a lot of purple. There's not a lot of discussion about things. It's either you're in or you're out on whatever side you're on. And that becomes challenging, um, whether it's from a, a personal standpoint or a business standpoint. Um, and that's something we've seen for a little bit. And, you know, especially in a state like Colorado that's going through it right now. You know, the fact that you look at permits that are greenlit, and a, a state which is as restricted as everybody knows as California in so many different ways, and they're getting more permits than Colorado through, you know that there's a, a definitely a pivot happening. So what you don't want to see is, you know, as you mentioned before, that everything's connected. Uh, what you don't want to see is the state going, oh, no, 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 this, no, that. And then they're like, well, well you know, we we're just kidding. We actually do need this, and it's too late because everybody's left. You know, because at that point, um, it doesn't do anybody any good. Well, we've been, we've it been doesn't this, come back. You know, I've been at this for 40 years, and there are going to be um, governments come and go. There's going to be regulations that come and go. And, uh, you know, I'm confident that the oil and gas industry will make adjustments and, and survive and find better ways of of uh, being being efficient and, and being cleaner. At, Absolutely, in yeah. Business. So, you know, the United States leads global supply that the... Uh, Jason just handed me the oil market report for 2019, which gives us the um, how, how things are being forecasted for a period to 2024. And the United States continues to dominate supply growth in uh, the median term following the unprecedented expansion in 2018, when mm-hmm. total liquids production uh, was a record of 2.2 million barrels per day. And uh, the United States will account for 70% of of the increase in global production capacity into until 2024, adding another four million barrels per day of oil. And um, important important contributions uh, will also come from non OPEC companies like Brazil, Canada. There's a resurgent Norway. There's a newcomer uh, Guyana. So you never hear about these these other players. Mm-hmm. You hear about Canada, but uh, there's a lot of political unrest in Canada as well. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, now that they have the same cat in office in Trudeau, but he's got less power, I mean, what happens with that? You know, do, do, is it, is it just a, a lame duck stalemate for the next four years? Or, I mean, you spent some time in Canada too. I don't know. What do you think is going to well, transpire uh, yeah. there? Because well, our system's a little different. Yeah, it's a lot different. And he's going to have to come up with a uh, minority gover- government and he's going to have to form coalitions. Mm-hmm. And I think that the conservative um, people just have to hold their ground. And, and uh, again, part you know one of the reasons for our podcast is try to get get out information to everybody, and not just uh, one side. But uh, you know, 
the thing is, if we don't develop our resources, they're going to be developed elsewhere because there's non-OPEC production. It's going to increase 6.1 million barrels a day. Uh, and that can come from Brazil, can come from Norway, it can come sure. from Guyana, which we mentioned. Venezuela might get their act together. You never know. You never know. The United States also uh, is turning into a major player um, in the global oil trade. Thanks for listening. Check out the continuation of this discussion in Episode 5.